Father, how great you are. And how great is your Son that you would have us come here today and, and sing and to hear your word and gather around the sacrament. Lord, give us ears now to hear and to receive all that you would give. In your name we pray. Amen. I wonder how many of you would agree with this statement. Over the past two years, COVID has made a mess of a lot of things. COVID has messed up a lot of lives, even if it's just having gotten it and ended up in the hospital, but even worse, having lost people you know, people you love. That's maybe the worst part. COVID has messed up politics everywhere. COVID has messed up the schools, the education of our kids. COVID has messed up the economy. It has destroyed people's jobs. COVID has messed up churches. You know, they say that 20 to 30% will never be back. That's a lot. Well, I have one more example. It's not near as dire as those other ones, but it's important to me. COVID messed up my preaching schedule. You know, I was sailing along in September preaching on Luke's version of the Lord's Prayer. I had all planned out to preach on Thy Kingdom Come on September 26th, and then I got COVID. And then when I came back, I only had so many weeks to finish the sermon on the Lord's Prayer so that I could start in November with three weeks for a stewardship series. Ruined my plan. And then it hit me. Maybe, maybe God wants us to take a deeper dive into this kingdom of God thing. So and this may make you glad or sad, but one sermon on Thy Kingdom Come has become a three-part sermon series on seeking God's kingdom. Now, you may think why, but I have to tell you that's because seeking God's kingdom is what stewardship is all about. Now, I know a lot of people, they hear the word stewardship and they think it's about how you use your time and your talent and treasure. And that's, that's all true. But what you and I do with those things is not the goal. Okay? The goal is God's kingdom. The growing and spreading of God's kingdom. Seeking His kingdom is the goal. Now, that may surprise some of you, and that's in part, I think, because uh, um, a lot of people, there is just a lot of misunderstanding about God's kingdom. Right? It was there, the disciples were confused. Here they are. They've been with Jesus three years. They've seen Him Die on the cross. They've seen him rise again. They've heard all his preaching and teaching. And they still don't get it. They're still looking for Jesus to restore David's kingdom and to cast the, uh, the, the Romans out of, of Israel and set up an earthly kingdom. You see it in the question, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Now, Guys, there are a lot of Christians who still have that false belief. 
There are a lot of our brothers and sisters who are still looking for a millennial kingdom for a day when Jesus is supposedly going to, before Judgment Day, come and reign for a thousand years on earth. But the problem with that is it ignores something that Jesus very clearly said. He told Pilate, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not of this world. Now, before we get too down on other Christians, we need to know that too often we today are guilty of the same confusion. I want you to think about some of the questions you ask and I ask. Why did this happen? Why, God, didn't you stop it? Why does God let there be evil in this world? When is He going to do something about it? Why does, if He's a loving God, why does He let bad things happen to good people? I pray and pray and pray. When is He going to do something about my marriage, about my spouse, about my son or daughter? When's He going to answer my prayer? When's He going to make everything right? Guys, whether you realize it or not, all those questions are asking the same thing disciples ask. Will you at this time restore the kingdom? It's the wrong question. God does not tell us the when of His kingdom. Jesus told that to the disciples, it's not for you to know the times or seasons the Father has fixed by His own authority. He warned us of beware of anyone, whether they're a preacher or writing books that claims, yeah, I can figure it all out. This all matches up. It's going to happen on that day. Baloney! See that no one leads you astray, He says. Many will come in my name saying, I am he, and they will lead many astray. And then he goes on later in that chapter, and he says, but concerning that day or that hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. So be on guard, keep awake. You do not know when the time will come. So if when isn't the question, What is? Well, I want you to ask yourself, what are we seeking when we pray thy kingdom come? We are praying that Jesus, the King and Savior of the world, would become the King and Savior of your life and mine. Now, I know I've been taking you back to the catechism during the last series. I'm going to take you back today again to what Luther says. This is, remember, in the catechism, it says the kingdom of God certainly comes without our prayer. But we pray in this petition that it may come to us also. That's it. That's why Jesus was born. 
That's why he lived. That's why he went to the cross. That's why he rose again the third day. That's why he ascended into heaven. That's why he came to you in baptism. And that's why one one day he is coming to judge the living and the dead. He did all that that God might reign in your heart and mind. Not our sin. Not our selfishness. Not Satan. But that Jesus might be king in your heart. He has delivered us, Paul says, from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of His beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. See, there's something you need to realize. This is why people have a hard time understanding the kingdom of God. Jesus is both the king and the kingdom. He's both. In Him, when He comes to you, the kingdom of God is knocking on the door of your heart. See, Pharisees came with the same question one day. When the kingdom of God would come? And He answered them. He said, well, the kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed. Nor will they say, look, here it is, or there, for behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. It's right here. I'm standing in front of you. For in Him, the Bible says, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through Him, to reconcile to Himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace through His blood shed on the cross. And you, who once alienated and hostile in mind doing evil deeds, He has now reconciled in His body of flesh by His death. Now, can God really be said to reign in someone like you and me? I mean, we're we're rebels. How is that even possible? Our, our natural inclination is to do the wrong thing. We're, we are all like the, the football player who sat in my class at Concordia and said, I get it, Pastor Ron. If my mom said don't do it, I knew that meant I'm going to go out and do it. That's our natural inclination to sinner. So how can God reign in our hearts? You know, in some ways... This whole idea is, is, is sort of like it was for Nicodemus when Jesus said, you know, if you're going to enter the kingdom of God, you, you've got to be born again. Nicodemus was like incredulous. How can a man be born when he is old? Is this, is this some kind of second chance, a, a do-over? You, you remember what do-overs are from when you were a kid, right? You know, um, you do something wrong in a game, get something wrong, you yell, do-over! Um, uh, in, in golf, they have a fancier word. They call it mulligan, um, right? But it's a do-over. And it, the whole idea is they let you try again to get it right. That's not what this is. Because you and I can't get it right. What Jesus is saying is we got to be born again. And folks, we cannot be born. We can't do this for ourselves. You know, this, this whole idea when people say, I accepted Christ, therefore I've been born again, as if they made a decision. Let me ask you about that metaphor. How much of a decision did you have about you being born? 
I'm pretty sure your parents decided, not you. The metaphor means that this is a gift from God, this new birth, this new person, that we are born of water and the Spirit. Luther, in the Catechism, he put it this way. He says, he says God's kingdom comes when our Heavenly Father gives us His Holy Spirit. And so by His grace, we believe His Holy Word and lead godly lives here in time and there in eternity. Now, what in the world does all that have to do with stewardship? Well, it is the very beginning and foundation of stewardship, friends. For the beginning of stewardship is to recognize that Jesus is the King of your life, not you, not me. That everything we have is His, not ours. And then there's this, specific to our text. Just as Jesus brought His kingdom through His sacrificial death, so now Jesus brings His kingdom through our sacrificial witness. You know, the word for witness here in the Greek in this text is the word from which we get the English word martyr. A martyr is someone who believes so firmly and strongly in something that he's willing to sacrifice his life for that thing or person. Think about that. He says, you are to be my martyrs. The kingdom of God is such a valuable treasure that it is more valuable than anything else in our life, more valuable than our lives. And we are given stewardship to bring that kingdom to other people by our witness, by the words we speak, by the life that we live so that other people might see and know Jesus. And that task is so important that Jesus calls us to be willing even to sacrifice our lives so that others might know. You know, when I, was, when I was getting ready for this sermon, I'm reminded of a story. I think I've told it here. Maybe I have, maybe I haven't. I can't keep track of where I've told my stories. It's about a guy named Mike Warnke. He was, he, uh, he was a Satanist high priest back in the 70s. And he wrote, writes in his book that he became so wicked that he got thrown out of the church of Satan. He said, even the devil didn't want me. But the U.S. Army did. And in the Army, he got thrown in with a Christian bunkmate. And he said, that Christian would not leave me alone. He's always talking about Jesus. Always sharing with me how God loved me. Always inviting me to church. Had his Bible all the time. Always wanting me to go to Bible study with him. One day I finally had enough. I got so angry I hauled off and I punched him. I shoved him. He fell down. His head struck the side of the table. He lay there bleeding on the ground. And I said, now will you leave me alone? And he said that Christian scooped up some of his blood in his hand. And he said, if Jesus loves you and me enough to bleed for us, how can I love you any less? That's the stewardship 
God calls you to. Folks, there were people in your lives, right, who spoke God's Word to you, a mom or dad, Sunday school teacher, youth worker, DCE, pastor, through whom Jesus brought the kingdom to you. Now He sends you out. His witnesses. To bring God's kingdom. Get somebody in mind. A friend. A family member. Co-worker. Maybe even an enemy. That's stewardship. Amen. Now may the peace of God which pass all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life that is everlasting. Amen.